Yo, what's going on, y'all? It's your boy Soso, in case you ain't know so. And welcome back to another episode of Sports with Soso. We got some big news for you guys. We're now on Spotify. That's right. Look us up, Sports with Soso. You can listen to all the episodes, past and new. And you can always follow us on Instagram at Sports with Soso Podcast. Remember, all of our episodes are also available at sportswithsoso.com. This week, we got the Dolphins continuing their victory push towards the playoffs. We got the Heat kicking off the NBA season. We also got the Canelo Alvarez versus Caleb Smith fight. And we got Woods Party of Two on the golf course. Let's go. Back with another episode. We back. Back with another win. Yes, and, sir. And you can call us the streak breakers, baby, because we just broke Bill Belichick's whack-ass streak of beating rookie quarterbacks. And my man, Tua, came out on top. Good win for the Dolphins, 9-5, and five, continuing the playoff hunt. We oh, know yeah. we, we know how bad we needed this W right here, right? Uh, because everybody else was fighting pretty much for their playoff lives, including us. And it was a real good Dolphins victory. It might not have not been pretty, but... We got the win, and that's what matters the most right now at the end of the season. Yeah, man, absolutely. I I, I can't say it any better myself. I mean, we're going, we're coming off bounce back win after that loss against Kansas City in a close game, and uh, now we're going on. We won four out of our last five, eight out of our last yes, ten sir. games. We're surging. You know, we're making a run. Uh, we're not out of it just yet. We're holding on to that seventh seed in the playoffs right now, and I'm excited, man. This was a hell of a game. The name of the game is stay hot, right? Especially at this time of the season, you want to be on a hot streak. You want to be winning games. Like you mentioned, four out of our last fives having wins. We only lost that one game to the Chiefs. Again, arguably the best team in the NFL. And the one that we lost before that was the one that is not letting me sleep at night, which is the loss against the Broncos. The game we don't speak about, right? Yeah, exactly. But it was really good to see the Dolphins win an ugly game like this because we didn't play our best. Offensively, we had some high points in the running game. We had some real low points in the wide receiver aspect not necessarily the tight ends but just mostly the, the output, passing yeah and the passing attack what, what they were able to put out but we were both pretty close on our on our prediction man i had a 27 17 you had a 24 17 the actual game was 22 12 so the dolphins defense did their job kept those guys to limited only four field goals which is an awesome awesome performance especially against the opponent bill belichick knows us we know him he knows how to exploit weaknesses on defenses. They have some weapons that could hurt us, but we were able to overcome that, really shut them down, and play a complete game from beginning to end. It didn't look pretty. We had that rough, rough first half. The first quarter was really bad. We had that one drive that we started really well, went the length of the field, and then we're within 10 yards of a touchdown, and we get the two interception. Back-to-back weeks now. Is this something that's concerning you? Um, no, I, I wouldn't say that it necessarily concerns me, you know, it, because it was a, a tale of two halves. You know, that first half, we were rolling. You know, we, we were we were making some good plays. We were you know, breaking out for some big runs, and, and Tua was working with what he had, even though he had Jakeem Grant that was out uh, with an injury and uh, his number one tight end, um, Mike Gusecki, as well as Devontae Parker. You know, all of his main targets were, were out. Um, and somehow he still managed to, you know, find open receivers and make big plays. But yeah, that, that first quarter, you know, that was a, a drive killer, that, that interception that when he was under a little bit of pressure, he ends up throwing the ball and it gets, uh, undercut and, um, you know, they, they, they pick it off and that ends the first quarter. The rest of the, the half was, 
was kind of uh, boring. You know, we, we really couldn't to get say the least. Done. It was very, yeah, it was very static, not dynamic. And uh, you know, we we didn't uh, we didn't have a lot going for us in that first half, right? We go into the locker room six zero. Uh, but it goes to show you what kind of team we are, that we were able to make adjustments in that, you know, halftime period, come back out of the locker room, and it's a whole different ballgame. I mean, we scored 22 points, all of our points, in the second, in half. The second half, which was a tremendous feat. Yeah, I agree. Um, to kind of speak on the, the first half, I think that pick that Tua threw really killed our momentum. And if you look at his stats, he didn't really have an awesome day. He was 20 for 26, accurate, only 145 yards, no touchdowns. Took two sacks for 12 yards, QB rating of 73. Not his best game by far, but he did make up for it with his legs. He was able to be smarter than what the what's going on in the game and recognize, okay, these guys are killing my passing lanes. I don't have any of my weapons that I can exploit this defense with. What else can I do to help my team win? And he figured it out with his legs. He was able to get two rushing touchdowns, which were huge, especially the second one with three minutes left to really put some space between us and the and the Pats and pretty much lock down the game for us to win it. It was a big drive, and we've seen Tua now in multiple weeks and multiple games rise up to the occasion where we need him to be the game-winning quarterback. We need him to put a game-winning drive together or get us close to that, and he's been able to do it. It's really exciting to see. For the running backs, I was really impressed by both of them. It's a testament to our how good our O-line is playing at the moment. Absolutely. Right? Because we see them stay consistent. Even though Kinley went down with an injury, we don't know what the severity of that is going to be. But they've been gelling. They've been playing together for multiple weeks now. And we're able to see how that has accumulated into running opportunities. We don't necessarily have a really good running back. But we have guys who are serviceable. We have guys who, given the chance, can probably do something once every two, three, four weeks, and Ahmed was the one who really broke out. He had 23 carries, 122 yards with a touchdown, and Breda, who we forgot about, and even on this podcast. Yeah, he's been flying under the radar this whole year. Yeah, and even on this podcast, we we called him out like, yo, where the hell has he been? You know, we we go out and get him, and we think that he's going to be our bruiser, and he hasn't really shown us anything. He comes out, he has a big game, 12 carries for 86 yards. The Dolphins' running game was on point, and I think – that's what led us to have an easier day. Because if we didn't have that running game going for us, I'm pretty sure we would have lost this game to the Patriots. No no wide receiver threats, no passing threats, and no running game. That's a recipe for a disaster. 100%. And thankfully, the Dolphins' offensive line, shout out to them big boys up front, they were able to kick ass, dominate that defensive line for the Patriots, and we were able to run the ball, and that made the difference in the game. Yeah, man, definitely shout out the O-line because, you know, I know we got we had two sacks that we gave up, but one of them I think happened on that injury play. Yeah, um, and it's Tua's fault too because sometimes he holds the yeah. ball a little bit too much. Right, that was number one. And then number two, the other one was, you know, I know we just praised him. Ah- Ahmed, he he had, you know, a great game, but he did give up a sack where he, you know, he was supposed to pick up the block and he totally just didn't hold it. his block and uh, it led to a Tua getting sacked. But overall, man, yeah, it, it was the the ground game was, was what saved us, man. 250 yards on the ground overall. Tua had both of his touchdowns. His first touchdown actually was was nice because, you know, what, what that showed me, man, was Tua really knows how to make adjustments in-game, right, and get better as the game goes on. And, and early on, that first quarter interception, 
the pocket collapses, you know, you can argue that, hey, he could have stepped up into the pocket and, and rushed for the seven, eight, nine yards, you know, that he needed to get into the end zone. Or throw it away. But he ends up making the bad decision and he throw you know, he throws it under duress and throws it right into the hands of the defender. Well, that first rushing touchdown that he had, the play was very, very similar. It started to break down and we saw the pocket starting to collapse and he did exactly what he should have done that first time around. And he tucked the ball and he just ran it up the field for a score. Not only that was awesome. I really like to see that adjustment. Absolutely. And not only that, that he that he was able to recognize it, you also saw the shiftiness that he ran with, right? Right, right. He was looking smooth. He looks like he could break some ankles. And if he's coming at you full speed, you have a real hard time trying to tackle this guy. Not to mention, too, man, he was 20 for 26 passing. I mean, yeah. That's, I mean, we're talking accuracy is his 76% thing. completion percentage. Accuracy is his thing. And we can chalk up that interception to poor decision-making. Correct. Because nine times out of ten, he doesn't make that decision to force that throw. I agree. Whatever. That's a rookie mistake. But I really liked how the defense came to play. We didn't allow a touchdown for the first game in at least three, four weeks. Okay. They were able to really neutralize the Pats running game because that's where their strength is. They have Sony Michelle. They have Cam Newton, James White, a bunch of guys who can get first downs, get four or five yards carry. I mean, Sony Michelle had a big 17-yard run, and after that, we completely shut him down. He ended the day with 74 yards. Cam Newton had nine rushes for 38 yards. So they tried to use him in that direction, and our defensive line and our linebackers had a great day really neutralizing and stopping that threat. We had three big sacks. Our boy, Baker. Yes, sir. Jerome Baker playing big, man. Uh, Possibly Seven. a Pro Bowl snub, and Agba had another pick. Yep, nine on the season now with this one that he just had. So it's kind of weird that he didn't even get a consideration for that Pro Bowl, which yeah, is whatever. Happen, man. And Sealer, Zach Sealer, you know, a guy who has come off the practice squad and really earned his spot to play consistent on that defense because you're starting to look at this defense as a big-name defense, right? right? We know Jerome Baker. We know we got Chris Wilkins on the line. We, we got, got Van Noy, Agba. We, we got, got Van Noy. We got Jones in the backfield. We, we got, got Howard. Howard. Yep. We so got it's, be it's starting to become a big-name defense, and when you have guys who don't worry about the big name and just go out there and play their hardest, that really helps us out and balances the team out, especially defensively. But I want to give a special shout-out, and we all, we've we already pretty much started the official campaign for Xavier Howard to get the I'm defensive player. throwing up player. the X right now. You know what I'm saying? Throw up the X in the car. But he he's really deserving, man, of that defensive player of the year. He's been the best cornerback this year. That's without a doubt, right? Possibly the best defensive back in the game right now. But he's doing it while being targeted. He has an overall grade of 87.3. That's the highest in the NFL. Coverage grade is 89.9. That means that people are trying to throw to him while he has his guy covered. And they're not completing and passes. And they're not completing passes. And again, he's shut down. He is a shut down corner. He's probably better at this point than we could have said of Sertain and Madison. And those 100%. guys had great, great careers down here. We all know what type of Dolphins Hall of Famers those guys are. But Howard gets a name to his second Pro Bowl, deservedly so. He didn't have a pick like we talked about. But he did force that fumble, which was huge. And I right now, he has more interceptions than nine NFL teams. Combined. Nine, uh, the whole team combined. The whole team combined. Yeah. And we're talking about some playoff teams, too. We got the Ravens. Him. We got the Broncos. The Packers who are a playoff team. The Bears. The Lions. The Cowboys. Panthers. Eagles. Texans. So those are nine teams 
two of them are still in the hunt. One of them is already a division champ. Right. I can't believe the Ravens don't have at least nine interceptions as a team. That was the one that stood out. That stood out the most <laughs> because crazy. they're known for their defense. Right. And, and this is just the level of football this man is playing. And to not give him this award this year would be a goddamn shame, man. Because I, I he's, really, he's really kicked ass. I really want him to get to that double-digit interception. You know, like we had mentioned on the last episode, that'd be the first time a player's done it uh, since Cromartie did it in, I think, 2007. Yeah. Um, so that'd be really nice. But, yeah, he also had another play, too, that, you know, that didn't get um, – it ended up getting overturned, essentially, because uh, it was a fumble on Cam Newton that got forced, and he was right in the area. He scooped the ball up and ran it back for a touchdown, but – Upon the review, they ended up seeing that it actually touched Christian Wilkins' leg, who was stepping out of bounds, so they called it back. But, I mean, the guy's all over the place. When there's a play to be made on defense, you better believe that Xavier Howard is there. Especially at the time that we need it, right? Where it's like, oh, shit, this game is starting to get a little too close for comfort. Yep. We got to break these guys' spirits. We need a pick here. We need a fumble. We need something. Xavier Howard has been the one to provide that for us. Play in, play out. And like I said, to not give this guy his award... Forget about the Pro Bowl. Everybody knew he was going to be a Pro Bowler this year, especially when he started off hot and continued to stay hot. But the level that he's playing out right now deserves that Defensive Player of the Year. Absolutely. Because we know for sure he's going to finish with double digits INTs. We're going to play two teams now that throw the ball exclusively. We got the Raiders on the road, and we got the Bills on the road. Josh Allen, we know what type of quarterback he is. He's going to sling the ball. We've just seen him do it week in, week out. David Carr has a little bit of that gunslinger in him. Derek Carr. David was the the worst one, right? (laughs) Derek Carr is a a little bit of a gunslinger, so we know he can throw it. Yeah, he has Josh Jacobs back there to run the ball. Their strength as an offense or as a team is with with Derek Carr. And we know Xavier Howard is probably looking forward to those matchups because the bigger the opponent, the more nationality um, exposure, the better he's going to play. So we got a primetime game this Saturday. We play the Raiders on the road. It's a must-win game for us. What do you got this game going at? Well, I mean, like you said, it's it's must-win, right? These next two games are an absolute must-win uh, for us to hold our chances in the playoffs. Right now, we hold the number one seed, like I mentioned earlier. The only other person that's in the running with us is the Baltimore Ravens, right? Now, right now, we have the edge on the Ravens because we actually hold uh, the tiebreaker over the, the, the AFC between right. us and them. So. Yep. If they win out and we win out, we get into the playoffs and we face, guess who? The, the Buffalo, Buffalo Bills, Bills first baby. round. So that we definitely need to win out. Um, this game, obviously, I got our uh, our Finns winning it uh, 29-22 over the Raiders. What do you got? For me, it's all about stopping the run. If we force Carr to throw the ball, I'm very confident that not only we'll be able to hit him, get some sacks, but also force him into some turnovers, right, right. which is – the key to our defense. If we can stop or really limit Jacobs and what he puts out in the game, it just makes it a lot easier for us. Their defense doesn't scare me. We'll have people coming back. Hopefully Barker's back. Hopefully Gasecki's back. Fully healthy, right? They had a whole week and a half to pretty much do some training, go get taped up, you know, rehab, all that good stuff, and be ready to play this Saturday because this is a make-or-break game. We can't even think about the Buffalo game until we win this game. Yeah. For me, I have us winning 31 to 24. A really high output. Tua's learning from his mistakes. He's learning that he can take off when he needs to. So I just feel like the offense is going to be a little bit more dangerous to put up more points, and the defense is going to show up. Maybe I'm giving them too much credit with the 24 points for a team that's not that great or that good, to be honest. 
I know that we faltered at times, especially on the road. It's not easy. And we give up some points. Sometimes. We give up on some points easily on on the road sometimes, so it won't be surprising to me. But yeah, I'm really that, looking that, for us to win. That travel over to Las Vegas, who knows? The guys might go out the night before or something to hit the hit the strip. You know, throw some dice. You, you never know what's gonna happen. It might only not, in Vegas you know, once. They might be a little bit slow off the line, so it'll be crazy. Who, who knows, man? It'll but hopefully crazy. our boys can go out there and get the dub and keep this train rolling. We need this playoff we train need to it, keep baby. rolling. Come man. on, fins, we need fins a, up, we need baby. This train to keep going. So let's get this W and let's keep it rolling, boys. Yes, sir. Speaking of Las Vegas, last week we spoke about the Heat and how Vegas has them, you know, slotted to finish third. Uh, we had that preseason game against the Raptors. We beat them 117 to 105. Uh, not a lot to talk about there. We knew some of the bigger guys want to play. Even though Bam played, we yeah, saw Goron. We actually got some pretty good takeaways from that game, to be honest with you, man. Um, if you don't mind, I'll, I'll just jump right into it. We had, you know, KZ. Uh, Okpala, I don't know if I don't know if I'm pronouncing his Okpala. Okpala, okay, Okpala. so I did I did get it right. Uh, dude, he had a, a phenomenal game. 34 minutes, he had 24 points, five rebounds, two assists. He was nine for 15 from the floor, six for 10 from three point. I mean, it was a productive ass night for the kid, and he's showing out now. But I know you saw the Twitter the Twitter memes that were already out there with the shadow of him next to KD, and it's like, oh man, did the Heat get the steal of the draft again? And we got KD, a baby KD. Uh, it was really cool to see that kid pop off, man, because he's been here since last year working on his game. Right, right. Working to get into that first team. Exactly, but we had guys like Derek Jones Jr. and Jay Crowder, so, you know, those were two really good options for us. Now, we trade away Dre Crowder. We cut Derrick Jones Jr. Step into the opportunity, young man. Baby, all we got is opportunities here, especially on this team that is as deep, right? There's no specific roles. You got to come in this team and play some defense. That's the basic requirement. Which he did well. You got to be in shape. He looks like a kid who takes his craft seriously, right? He has skills seriously. A guy works on his game. He knows what it takes to be a quote-unquote heat player and to live that culture. So we see his physical attributes stepping up and now he's getting the chance to put it together where he's been working on his game on the summer getting stronger getting fit getting conditioned and now Spo gives him the chance to run free in the preseason to be like all right kid show me what you got and this kid comes out the fucking gate gunning bro gunning more impressive than the points is just the command and the calmness that that kid portrays when he's on the court yeah he looked like he a doesn't look lost or like he's trying to force right you know too many bad shots it's really really encouraging because i think that he can be a, a huge asset to this team especially for this season where we're gonna need more defensive minded shooters not to say that duncan is defensive minded or isn't defensive minded but we know that his level of defense isn't where it needs to be in order for him to play as often. With KZ, it looks like if he can give us this offensive output and be able to lock down defensively, we just got a nasty-ass piece to an already really good team that made a finals run. So it's really dope to see that. I can't wait to see Jimmy on the court, right, to see how it all meshes together because Jimmy is not always the focal point when it comes to the offense. But he knows how to be a director, right? Hey, go stand over here. Yo, go run the pick and roll with this guy. I'm going to do the pick, and then you go down, whatever. He's that guy for us on offense. So it's going to be really interesting to see how these young guys mesh into the team, especially Okpala, who has so many weapons at his disposal. Yeah, man. And, I mean, besides him, he wasn't the only one that did well in that preseason game against the Raptors. We had Precious uh, Achua, our first-round pick. 
who put in 13 points and 15 rebounds, two assists, and only 22 minutes or 23 minutes of action. I want to shout solid. out I mean, something. A double double. That's 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 solid from a first round pick. I want to shout out something. That man had 12 off defensive rebounds and three offensive rebounds on the night. Huge. That's huge because that that type of work just shows me that if you put him in there with a Bam, and you tell him, hey, you get the paint, let Bam do his thing, and guard the best player on the floor, that's really assuring for everybody else to say, okay, I just got to do my job here, and we're gonna come away with a good defensive possession whether they score on us or not whatever but just those type of stats that type of hunger and drive bro this kid has really been impressive everything i read from our heat twitter and heat bleacher report is ud giving so much uh, credit to him and and the likeness that he has of bam and bam saying that he could be better than what he was at this stage super encouraging if you're a Heat fan, you got to be beyond happy with what we got going on right now because it looks like our rotation and our depth is really going to be deep this year in order for us to make that expected run that we think we're going to make. And I'm glad you're bringing it up deep because I'm not done yet with the Raptors preseason game. There was one other little gem that came out hit of me, that preseason hit me, game. Hit me, Gentleman by the name of Max Struss who uh, put the up. sharpshooter. Check me out. These are some nice stats right here. 22 points. He was 8 for 11 from the floor. Six for eight three pointers in only twenty two minutes. Uh, this is a guy that averaged eighteen and two. I'm sorry, eighteen point two points, five point nine rebounds, and three point two assists with the Bulls G League affiliate last year. Nobody saw this guy coming, and he's coming out shooting lights out. They're comparing him to Duncan Robinson. So now I want you to think about what a what a Heat you know offense looks like with these sharp shooters like. Duncan Robinson, and Max Struss, and so on. I don't want to give away too much credit from the Heat's scouting department because we found this guy, and we've been known for finding guys and turning them into real solid role players or whatever it is that we need, right? right? So shout out to the scouting team because they found this guy in the G League, like you said, putting up numbers and saying, you know what? This is a guy that can fit our persona and maybe even have some minutes to play on the team. Like you said, we made some... Uh, roster moves there's time available there are minutes available on this team for people who want to step up and really take manage of them it's really cool to see him not only play well but also get the shot he signed him to a two-day two-way contract which is really dope they usually don't do that they like to do the short-term deal to kind of leave a little bit more flexibility but they must have saw enough in him to say, yo, we can trust this kid and let's give him an opportunity because he might be better than the Kendrick Nunn, right? And we've seen Nunn struggle and he hasn't necessarily got back to the level that we saw him. Yeah, when he was in the running for the rookie of the year last year. Exactly. So maybe he peaked. mm -hmm. Yeah, he, he hasn't been the same. Again, we know that there's a lot of minutes available on this team, tons of playing space. His position is basketball. And if you have something that you can add to the team, like the kid Max, he has that hot shooting and he yep. can play defense. Guess what, bro? Spoh's going to find you minutes. Yeah, absolutely, man. So going into tonight's game, uh, obviously we're we're playing, we're kicking off the season tonight in Orlando. Old Town. Magic, 7 o'clock. Uh, this is our, how our roster currently stands right now. We got, obviously, Jimmy Buckets. We got Goran the Dragon. We got Tyler Hero, UD, Precious Achua, Bam Adebayo, Avery Bradley, Mo Harkless, Kendrick Lund, uh, Iggy, we got Myers Leonard, KZ Okpala, Kelly O, Duncan Robinson, Chris uh, Silva, and then we like you mentioned, Max Strauss and Gabe Vincent on, on two-way contracts. Let me ask you this question. 
Who's your starting five? I'm glad you brought that up, bro, because it's something that I've been going over in my mind a lot. And when I talk to some of my friends who are diehard Heat fans and these guys go into the analytics and they're into the stats and a lot of visual right uh, evaluations, a lot of people feel that we can have multiple good lineups. Our best lineup probably is Drogic at the point, Tyler at the two, Jimmy at the three, and then for me personally, I'd like to see Miles Leonard in there instead of Harkless, and then obviously Bam starting. Because I feel like Bam needs that anchor defensively. Because when we don't have somebody there to guard the paint, possession after possession after possession, not only does it get Bam into foul trouble, right, because sometimes he has to foul or maybe he gets caught off a step behind, but it also kills his physicality. He's banging and clanging for 20-something minutes, 28 minutes, 30 minutes a game. That type of shit takes a toll on him, and it, and it could, and it could add up over the over the season. I rather deploy him as of all defensive guy and be like, don't worry about the paint, go guard everything else. And Leonard gives us that flexibility for now, because I really feel like that position belongs to Precious, and if you can get Precious to do that, then we're talking about two guys who aren't necessarily seven footers. But they both could interchangeably play the center position and the uh, power forward position and not have to worry about who's the matchup here. I can put those guys against the four or the five on any team, whether it's Anthony Davis and LeBron. In the East, we got Giannis and maybe Middleton, whoever, and still feel comfortable with what I have, right? Whatever we have, the Heat. For all intents and purposes, maybe Hero doesn't start because we know he's really good off the bench. We show, he showed that last year, coming in as a sixth man and just really putting up points on whoever was guarding him. I feel like him and KZ could interchange into a starting role. Duncan is slowly going to find his way out of the starting lineup. Not to say that he's not going to get minutes, but he's going to be more like a Tyler Hero. Hey, come in with the second squad and just let it fly. You know, build up the lead. We're up, we're down, we're probably even, whatever. But come in against a easier defender and not necessarily have to face a really tough defender from the get-go. Gives him a little bit of a chance to get warmed up, get started. Because sometimes we saw Duncan kind of fade away, right? If he wasn't having a good game and he was shooting his shots, he would continue to shoot and maybe not have that aggressiveness or not have that belief to say, I can keep doing this or it's going to go in, the next shot is going to go in. So he can t tends to fade. If we can get him out of the starting lineup, put in a guy like Hero or maybe even like we said, a KZ, right, where you go really small ball, Bam, Precious, KZ, KZ uh, Jimmy, and then whichever point guard you want, right? It could be Drogic, it could be none, it could be Hero. That's a really good lineup. And even Bradley... Adding Bradley to that mix makes it a real defensive unit. That's why I'm really excited to see what those two kids can do and how much of the rotation they'll be a part of. It'll be interesting. Yeah, it's gonna be it's gonna be an interesting uh, decision for for Coach Bo to make. You know, I think I think we know definitely we got Bam and Jimmy in there. I really I really want a Hero to start. Um, you know, when it when it comes to the point, you know, I, I I think Hero can run that. I guess you know I know he's more of a two, but you know for for the purposes of of getting Dragic off the bench. I, I love what Dragic brings to us when he comes off the bench yeah. because he's he's that that veteran leader that doesn't have you know that uh, 
um, that he's not a prima donna like a lot of these people are that aren't willing to, to do what it takes for the team and come off the bench yeah. and, and still produce, right? So um, we got a lot of great pieces this year, man. I'm really excited for Heat basketball. I know there's a lot of crazy things going on around the league. There's a, you know, a lot of things have changed as far as the landscape of the, the teams in this league and, and what our conference looks like now. But I would put right now our, our team up against anybody uh, in the East. The only reason why I don't have us being number two in the East is because I feel like the Celtics always find a way to play good regular season ball to be in that top contention. I don't even have the Celtics in my top three this year, to be but honest the, with you. We don't know what Brooklyn is going to do, man. You know, everybody I points got, to Brooklyn, but I got I'm Brooklyn, not convinced. I got Brooklyn, I got the Bucks, and I got the Heat, top three. I'm not sure exactly what order, but I think those are the top three contenders coming out of the East this year. Talent-wise, on paper, yeah, you got to give that respect to Brooklyn. But it's one thing to see it on, on paper and another thing to play it out during the season. You know, we know Kyrie Irving is going to miss games. We know there are going to be games if Kevin Durant feels a little iffy or if he gets a sprain, he's going to miss three, four, five games. So how would that type of stuff affect the standings, right? Yeah. More so than that, those guys still got to gel together. You know, they haven't been playing basketball that long together. KD's been playing since the summer. Kyrie Irving a little bit before that. So maybe they don't train together. Now they have a new head coach in Steve Nash who's never had any type of coaching experience. I don't see those guys just automatically getting a top three spot because there are better teams and better coaches. I think, I think everything that you just named is the reasons why I believe they're a top three, man. They got a guy like Steve Nash who is an, a former MVP of this league, knows what it takes. He's a smart guy. He knows you know how to motivate guys and how to use them. Uh, you got arguably one of the best players in the world, one if not number two in Kevin Durant, who Maybe he's, you know, he's like coming off now. of an injury. And and the guy, there's nothing like this guy. I mean, he he's he's tall, he's fast, he can shoot, he can dunk, he can play defense. And on top of that, you got a former world champion in Kyrie Irving, arguably one of the best point guards in the game today. You add in a couple of uh, of guys, you know, role players for them, like uh, their big man whose name escapes me right now. Dinwiddie or something uh, like Not Dinwiddie, uh, the other guy. I, his name fro. escapes me. Yeah, the big fro guy. That guy, plus Karis LeVert, who's been a great, you know, role player like for the kid. Nets. I like that kid a lot, man. And, you know, to, to your point, yeah, you know, it doesn't happen overnight, but hopefully we go back to a regular season in 82 games, and anything can happen in 82 games, man. All you got to do is make the playoffs to get in there. Uh, and then any can, anything can happen. But, you know, I think we do have a lot of good things to look forward to, man. I'm, I'm really excited. I think, uh, you know, the, the way to start right now is with a Heat dub tonight. So I, I think let's so go too. Heat. I think so, too. I mean, look, ESPN has us winning 44 games this season. Last year, that was only good for fifth spot. I don't see us being worse or equal to as last year. I see us being better. better. 100%. So it's going to be a 47-win game season, 48-winning game, game season for us. That just puts more pressure on those teams to win. Like I said, Brooklyn still has to show me. Yeah, one game is cool. Even three weeks is cool. But let's see how you guys continue to gel throughout the season. Let's see what type of injuries hit your team. They're a solid team. Same thing with Boston. They're not going anywhere. They only lost one piece, right, in Gordon Haywood. But other than that, that guy was not necessarily a non-factor, but they found other ways to win without him. Right. So Boston is going to be good. Milwaukee's going to be good. We know uh, Brooklyn has the potential to be good. Washington has the potential to be good. Philadelphia is still there. They're, they're possibly in, still in the mix for Harden, so we don't know. 
Again, I just can't give Brooklyn a, th- a, a three spot like that. I see the Heat up there because the Heat have what it takes and they've shown it, and we got a deep enough roster to make that run. It is what it is, man. Let's see how the, the season kicks off and how it rolls out, and hopefully the Heat made me look like a genius. Yeah, hopefully. <laughs> and if you would have bet money on Canelo Alvarez this past weekend, you would have looked like a genius too because that guy just went 12 rounds with Caleb Smith and straight dominated I mean, how him. do you not bet on Canelo? That guy's just a pure money maker. For for all the shit that he takes on, for like maybe not having the best fights or the most entertaining fights, and he's dodging this guy or dodging that. That man doesn't dodge anybody to begin with. Number one and number two, boxing isn't always the knockout show that people want it to be. It's actually boxing. You right. got to go in there with a game plan and technique. And There's more more to it than just going in there with uh, the haymaker to knock somebody out. Exactly, and that's, and that's what, what ca- he does, man. He does he does that really well. One of the best, uh, you know, defenders and uh, avoiders of, of big punches. I mean, this guy has some of the best head movement in the game. He's he's really learned a lot defensively from his one fight with Mayweather. It's incredible. From huh? his one fight with Mayweather, that guy has learned so much defensively on on how not to get hit right. to deliver stronger blows throughout a fight. Yeah. They may not be knockout blows, but damn, when he's hitting you, you feel it. Callum Smith was the bigger fighter here. He's 6'3. Canelo's only 5'8. That guy's baby, you know, shorter than you and I, bro. But he was pushing him back the entire fight putting his physical will on on Smith and really hitting him with some hard-ass body blows that when you heard the glove hit the body, it's like, damn, I feel bad for Smith because he knows he's going to be in there for a while. That shit's still hurting. And even in the 10th round, bro, you see this guy, like, holding on to Canelo, looking up like, shit, man, how many how many more minutes are left in this? You got a minute and 40 you seconds? You got two rounds left, big fella. Oh, shit. Shit. But... That's just the type of professional Canelo is, man. And and it was really impressive to see him do that after such a long layoff. He had 13 months, I think, without a fight. Now he's the WBA, WBC, and Rig Magazine super weight, super middleweight champ, four-time, four di- four-time champ in four divisions. He's going to go down as one of the greatest boxers ever. 100%. Even possibly better than Julio Cesar Chavez. Even though Chavez had the better record, you got to say that Canelo handled his career much better and had bigger fights, maybe, where he came out on top, not necessarily losing. And I don't see anybody beating him right now. After the fight, they asked him about, like, the Triple G shit. And I don't know about you, bro, but I don't want to see him fight Triple G again because I feel like he'll just dominate Triple G yeah. yet again, and it's, it won't be uh, worth that's it. That's over with. I want to see a new challenge for him. I want to see something new. Uh, he said himself that he wants to clear out the division, so that only means two other fighters, right? You got Billy Joe Saunders. He's 30-0 with 14 knockouts. He's currently the WBO champ. And then the other guy who holds the belt, the IBF belt, is Caleb Plant, a really good boxer, 20-0. 20, 20 also 12 knockouts. So there's some thing there for Canelo to go get and achieve in this division. I don't see him dropping down for anybody because he looks so comfortable at this weight where he can just walk around in this weight, know he has power, know he still has his strength and his speed and can avoid punches and just can really dominate anybody in this specific weight division. A lot of people want to call him out. Ryan Garcia and this guy and the, and Theofimo was at the fight, you know, saying that's your that, boy. That's my boy. But a lot of those guys just name call him because they know that that's the money. Right. Canelo is the money fight right now. If you want to make money in boxing, you got to go through Canelo. Unless you're going to go the Jake Paul route and go fight Mayweather for some change, which is going to be a bullshit fight anyway. Or like his little brother calling out uh, McGregor. 
and trying to box in. You got to go that route. I guess that's what it, what it takes nowadays, man. You got to be. You got to have a YouTube channel. You gotta. You gotta have a, a podcast. You gotta do everything that's not boxing, essentially, and you'll get a big pay per view card. So the only thing is, I need to do is get into the ring and start training, right? Because we got the podcast. That's it. I don't have a YouTube channel We're yet, on the but way, we can though. work on it. Pretty soon you can call out fucking Canelo if you want, dude. Right? No, I'd pick somebody easier, man. <laughs> Shit. I'd pick nah, somebody man, easier. You just start. You got to do the, tr- the prison approach. You got to start with the biggest, baddest guy, take him out, show everybody who's boss. Bro, that only works in movies. <laughs> All right? Let me tell you that shit right now. That shit only works in movies. But hey, it, Speaking of movies, though, man, speak, I know you... Uh, no, we're, I know where you're going. You know where I'm and, going with this? And if Disney puts this movie out tomorrow of Tiger Woods and his son, just just playing one round of golf. Oh, my nine God, holes. man. So if you guys missed out this weekend, Charlie Woods, son of Tiger or Eldrick Tiger Woods, uh, made his debut on national television this weekend in the PNC father-son, um, or I'm not sure if it's the father-son, but the PNC family challenge, essentially, where if you were a former um, champion um, of, a, of a major champion or won the uh, the TPC Sawgrass, I believe, you were invited and you can go out and play. So every year, players like John Daly, who showcases you know his son's talents, little yeah. John Daly, he's been playing it for years. Um, you know, you got guys like Lee Trevino and you got guys like Gary Player come out with their grandkids and stuff. It's a real nice, wholesome event. It's a cool event, man. But the biggest thing that happened this year was the fact that Tiger Woods allowed us to see his son, Charlie's game, who at 11 years old has a better game than most of the golfers, if not all of the golfers that I play with today. Including you and I, right? Oh, 100%. All right, cool. I just wanted to clarify that for everybody out there. You can put me and you on a team right now. That could have been. And we can play from the same tees as Charlie. With a handicap. No, no, no. Just straight up. Me and you scramble, two ball scramble. Uh, against Charlie Woods, and he would beat us right now. That's how good this guy is. So I, I really just wanted to point it out, man, because, it, you know, it's we've been uh, – if you're a, a golf fan or even if you aren't a golf fan, you know Tiger Woods, right? You know of the name. You know you know the, the greatness that is Tiger. And to see him now go from, you know, Tiger the, the champion or Tiger the son, you know, it was always about his dad pushing him and driving yeah. him, to now he's turned into Tiger the father. And, you know, you have this, this young mini-me version of him. That's giving him the thumbs up, you know, after he hits a great drive or giving, you know, that same Tiger fist pump that we saw time and time again. It was awesome. It, it's it's unbelievable, man. It's to the point now where, where there's 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 bets right now going on on whether or not he's going to win a championship by the age of 25, which is crazy. It's crazy. It's crazy. But it's not so crazy because he's so talented and it was for me, I haven't seen the kid play, right? Because everybody knew that Tiger's son played or whatever, but it wasn't never on a national stage, right? Where people had the opportunity to see him play and see how good the kid is. The first shot I see this kid hit, he's down, he's in his stance, takes his nice little clean swing, hits the ball, looks at it for about a second and a half and knows that he put it exactly where he wanted to and told his caddy, all right, pops, Let's grab those bags and yep. follow me. I, I yep. got the I got the lead on this one. It was it was cocky. It was confident. The it was swagger. The movie is called The Circle of Life. <laughs> Disney Plus. Please call me. I got this script for you. Let's because copyright that. It's like you said. We went from seeing Tiger do all these things for his dad and really win tournaments and play the best and literally dominate the sport of golf. And now we see the beginning of the circle, right, or the ending of the circle where Tiger's slowly coming out of the of his dominance or what he was doing into what his son could potentially start off again. So that whole Woods family tree is like, 
blossoming right now because of how how well he played. And people got to see your first shot. And it was really cool to see those guys together. It was really like a father and son moment. You know, whenever Charlie hit the shot, Tiger was more pumped than he was. He's like, Dad, calm down, man. This is it's just a regular day, you know. I got this, Pop. Don't worry about it. But it was really nice to see that because we we saw Tiger as a bigger-than-life figure, and now we get to see him in that dad role as yeah. the proud dad, and that shit was just dope, man. Yeah, man, it was awesome. It was, it was great, great tournament. Uh, Justin Thomas and his dad were actually the winners of the tournament, but uh, I think it's safe to say that, that Charlie Woods uh, and Tiger stole the show. So Absolutely. Uh, to many more, man, I, I hope that we get to see them a lot more. So For sure, for sure. It was really exciting to see. Hopefully we get to see it soon, like you said, man. But, like, you know, Joel, this is our time to end this episode. Uh, for everybody listening, thank you so much. Joel, as always, appreciate you, my dog. Yes, sir, my brother. Appreciate you having me, as always. Always a good time when we link up. Yes, bro. And everybody else, continue to listen. Now we're on Spotify. You can find the show on Spotify Sports with So-So Podcast. Remember to follow us on Instagram, Sports with So-So Podcast. Share the likes. Share the Instagram posts. Share the stories. Tell a friend. Tell a friend. Tell a friend. Tell a friend. Y'all, if you guys like what we're doing, if you like Miami sports and everything that we're talking about, make sure to share this, okay? And remember, you can always visit sportswithsoso.com to download all of our past episodes as well. As always, it's your boy Soso for Joel. Peace. Peace.